To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you, so today is a great one. I have on Bert Soren from Soren X and the Be Legendary podcast. Man, this is the first time I've got a chance to meet Bert and sit down with him, but he hangs with the elite. I picked up so many great sayings and motivation and inspiration in this podcast. Uh, uh, breathing that thin air, the haze in the barn. You guys will hear all these terms, but I really enjoyed this conversation. So you guys know I lean towards endurance and trail running and, and, and also talk about strength training, getting my back stronger. So, so this was just a real important conversation that I got a lot out of as Bert, he, he just has a, a great way of explaining training for the individual and explaining how to get the the most out of your body. And so I learned a ton out of this podcast. I think you guys will too. Uh, Bert's uh, uh, one of our bow hunting brothers. He's got a big hunt coming up in in, uh, Arizona. I think he's hunting the strip. I think he said that in the podcast, uh, but he's going to be hunting some great bucks down there. Um, so, so I'm really happy to meet Bert and uh, excited to share this podcast with you guys. Um, so we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. Uh, I want to thank High Mountain Seasoning. High Mountain Seasoning has the best jerky uh, seasonings available. This stuff keeps me alive during hunting season. In fact, I am getting ready to run some batches of jerky with their original right now as we speak. So I'm going to run that for the rest of hunting season. And um, man, it's just they've got everything for wild game needs. They have jerky seasonings. They have uh, everything you need for summer sausage, for pepperoni sticks. Uh, They've got steak marinades. Uh, and the steak marinades are great. You throw them in a plastic bag with that steak marinade and and everything's done Throw the steak on the grill and and it's just absolutely to die for. So if you're in the market for anything wild game needs, make sure to check out high mountain seasoning. I also want to thank swagger bipods. Swagger builds the best bipods and shooting sticks on the market. Uh, I, I just love their intelligent design as you're able to acquire your target and then swivel your gun on this bipod. Uh, so when you get on a deer and he moves to the right or moves to the left, you can swivel with him. They're, they're spring tension loaded, so you can also get tension back into your shoulder. Super stable, adjustable height, and being an accurate shot with a rifle is all about the rest. And I really believe that Swagger builds the best ones on the market. So if you're if you're looking for new shooting sticks for this year or you're looking for a new bipod setup, check out Swagger Bipods. Just great products. And with that, uh, over there at Eastman's, uh, we've got some great Beyond the Grids coming out. So I've got a podcast coming out with Dan Picard. I believe that'll come out next week. Uh Gosh, he just does so great on the podcast. We talked about high country mule deer. Of course, we talk about elk as that is uh, um, my and Dan's um, shared passion. Uh, he, he's just uh, he's so prolific and so uh, good at elk hunting. And last year, he killed his best bull to date, and it's on a Beyond the Grid episode that's out now. 
So I think it came out Saturday. Uh, so I need to check it out as well. I'm going to get on and watch it here before my next hunt coming up. But great Beyond the Grids coming up. Make sure to check out our podcast. Todd Helms is now running the Wingman podcast, uh, which is rolling. Uh, I've got the other fly fishing podcast, Flycast, which I'm really enjoying doing. And, uh, 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 man, it's it's just been a, a really fun project for me. So there's some great recordings on there if you're into fly fishing or thinking about fly fishing. Uh, check out the uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. There's a good Montana elk hunt on public land from last year that I put out that um, I'm really proud of. And then check out our magazines. I uh, just had a uh, an article I turned in. I don't think the issue is out yet. Um, can you tell I've been in the woods hunting? I, I'm just catching up now and getting these podcasts done and um, getting getting some uh some some work done and get ready for the next trip but uh make sure to check out that uh eastman's bow hunting journal yeah i've got a good one Let's see i'm trying to remember it's on uh locating or uh finding big bucks uh really keying into these larger age class deer and how to locate them during the different seasons uh me and all the staff writers, we pour our heart and soul into these articles, and it's just a great magazine that we're really proud of. So Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, thanks for the support on the podcast. And, um, man, just finishing up this um, epic hunt. down uh, My high country hunt for the year, early season, hot weather. Man, able to arrow a good buck down there. Um, just what dreams are made of, the absolute grind, you know, as far as... You had all the elements in it, scorpions, uh, lightning storms, uh, remote country, tons of miles, elevation, lack of water, dehydration, uh, just absolutely grinded on this hunt and uh, came out on top. So much fun. I just love these adventures. So um, just getting back from that, getting these podcasts out to you guys. And um, this is a great one. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Bert Soren from Soren X. Uh, you can also check out his Be Legendary podcast. And uh, this is Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Let's get this thing rolling. Okay, I'm live here. I've got Bert Soren from the Be Legendary podcast and from Soren X. So, um, man, thanks again for taking the time, Bert. Hey, thanks, Brian. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, well, we had to just get this podcast started because we were starting to have such a <laughs> a good conversation before the podcast, and you have that same uh, intuition as I do as a as a podcast host, where you're like, "Hey, I think this is a pretty good conversation. We better hit record." <laughs> yeah, we uh, unfortunately with our podcast, uh, I, I kind of tell people, I said, "This is just the stuff that happened to make it on tape," you know, like. The later that night around the fire or around a dinner or the stuff we were talking about right before, it's almost always the best stuff. And so I think as a as a podcast host, you just try to capture as much of the gold and the magic as you can. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes lightning strikes and you and you get the best stuff on on uh you know recorded. Yeah. Oh, it's always nice when that happens. Yeah. It seems like um with podcasting, 
it, it's just about relaxing and letting the conversation flow. It seems like a, you know, I like to have some rough ideas for a podcast and jot some things down, but it seems like the best ones are in the moment, you know, when it when it sparks something in your own brain and a good back and forth engaged conversation. So talk a little bit about your podcast. I think um, uh, oh, sure. uh, the the legendary podcast. Boy, you've had some great guests on there. And, and you, you just talk to some really passionate guys that are really good at their their training, but also good on the mental side of things. You have military guys on. Maybe just talk a little bit about your podcast. Oh, sure. So, uh, well, first it starts with Sornex. That's our company. Uh, my father started in 1980. Um, I've been here for 21 years myself, full time. And of course, as a kid, I was doing it. We, we build weightlifting equipment. We build exercise and, and really, I say innovative training solutions. That's what we do. It just so happens to manifest itself and to steal uh, most of the time. So the cool part about that is it's dealing with the we've kind of been coined as the go to guys for the go to guys within the strength and conditioning world, whether it's the the you know uh NFL teams or NBA teams or tier one operation units or or whoever really, really wants to win and has to win, that seems to be people that are uh attracted to us and vice versa. So I I tell say all that because that's what created the basis for the podcast because during uh, either sales or service calls or just being good first name basis or, or sometimes almost family friends with some of our clients, we realized we would we would sit down and have these amazing conversations when we were both hungry for knowledge and we were trying to, you know, to dive deep into the world of human performance. And we realized, gosh, we have all these people we talk to constantly, the coolest people in the world from a human performance standpoint. We need to record some of this because these these words need to go on and, and more people need to hear them. And unfortunately, not everyone could be in on conversations that I have with some of these amazing people. So we try to do our best to capture a little bit of that. Uh, it wasn't to make a great podcast necessarily that got high ratings or, or advertising dollars or anything like that. It was just, you know, these lightning strikes are happening all around us constantly. Let's try to capture some of them. And so that was the Be Legendary podcast. And the whole point of Be Legendary is go and do something with your life. I don't care if it's strength, conditioning, hunting, shooting, being a better dad, being a financial guy. I don't care. Go after something that is above the expectation of of mediocrity. So like what everyone thinks that this should be your level, do something above that. And those are the people that have done that consistently in life. They become legends or legendary, have legendary characteristics. And so the podcast is generally people that we found and come across in our lives that just exhibit those characteristics. And we want to shine a light on them and then also data mine them as to let's let's unwrap that monster and figure out how the heck are you getting there and how are you doing this? And so that's what our podcast is about. And, and I agree with you. We've had some amazing guests and we try to, it kind of confuses people sometimes because we're a strength and conditioning company and they think that, okay, you have to have everything about lifting or about strength or power or human performance. And we're, we try to kind of redefine what human performance is. It's not just seen as a physical attribute, but something, you know, we're a strength company. We want to build strength in physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, social, all the things that, that tie into a high performance individual. 
And those are the people that we try to bring on our podcast so we so we could understand who they are, how they tick, and hopefully give something back. Man, that is beautiful. Um, boy, you're you're drawn to the same things I am in in life. Just really <laughs> passionate people, and passion in life it you know it, it 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 gives back. It's such a fulfilling endeavor to have something that you truly love to do that isn't based around financial gains, that isn't based around um you know satisfaction of others. That that's that really lives inside of you and drives you to be a better person. And and just like you said. Whatever that passion is, it, it's like how you do one thing in life is how you do everything. And so it tends to carry over into other things in life. You know, my, my, you know, the bow hunting, I have fallen in love with backcountry bow hunting. And my, you know, I live that lifestyle 365 to be able to climb the mountains as good as I can, shoot my bow as good as I can, and, and then be able to, to, uh, keep my cool in those, those, high tension moments, you know, and be able to deliver that arrow under an intense amount of stress in the fog of adrenaline. And so like I've fallen in love with that, but I found that that carries over to my everyday life of being the absolute best husband I can be, the best dad I can be, you know, being the the best business owner. I run a construction construction company, the, the podcast, like it just carries over all the way through life, just having this passion. And so like, I, I love what your podcast is about. And I saw that you had, um, John Dudley on, I've got to listen to that one Mm -hmm. as he's one of the the best archers around. We've had him on on this podcast as well. Dudley's a whole different, I mean, he, there, there's a lot of great archers out there for sure. And I'm, I'm not saying Dudley's the best, best, whatever, but in my world, Dudley's my, my go-to guy for questions. Uh, I was texting him probably 10 minutes ago <laughs> and, and it's, you know, I kind of like started it. Okay. My three questions for the day <laughs> and some of them are archery related. Some of them is how I could help him. Some are business, whatever, but it's like, you know, there, there are a few people that I have in my life that are my first line of go-tos when it comes to a question on a specific topic. And, and I'll have to say Dudley is my first line of defense or offense with the archery world. Just, I mean, I was shooting with some friends yesterday at our farm and we were, we were talking about archery stuff and I was telling them a little bit of, of a, you know, of a topic that Dudley had schooled me up on. It's like, gosh, it's interesting you, when you find someone that has that high a passion for it, that is, that is transversed into that much experience. And then you just go, literally that guy has forgotten more about archery than I will learn probably in the next five to 10 years or that I know now. And I've been bow hunting for 20 years. And you just go, man, it's just that's the stuff I'm attracted to. Just those super high performers the breathe the thin air because they're so down the rabbit hole of that sport, endeavor, passion or whatever. And passion is the driver that you can learn so much from. And those are the people that I believe need to be supported and celebrated because they're doing so much for whatever industry that is. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, Dudley Dudley's certainly one of those gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and and I I tend to pay attention, like you say, the those um those next level guys are so knowledgeable, but you know, it's like uh 
it, it's results too. It's it's pick your your role models carefully. Like you can go into a shop and get advice from anybody in there, but to get advice from a guy like Dudley that's the absolute top of the heap, like I like listening to those guys that are better than me, you know, or oh, you, yeah. they've just put in the work and they've gone through the trials and tribulations. They've made the mistakes. They've learned from them. And, and then, you know, like Dudley is so good at, at articulating you know those small nuances of shooting that that sometimes can be so difficult to grasp just the ideas like you say so far down the rabbit hole but i i love listening to guys like that and 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 like um you know for you like the um strength has become such a big part of backcountry bow hunting and for a good reason like that strength it is it it comes in so handy in the backcountry, climbing those mountains day after day, teaching your muscles endurance. Uh, you know, so so I bet that's been fun to kind of connect with some other hunters and to see that that grow. You know, from when you guys started the company in the '80s, where it was tough to get anybody that hunted to work out. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, you know, that's it's interesting. My my two passions, and really the two passions of my father, who's been the the biggest influence from, from my professional career and really kind of my recreational career as well, um, have been human performance, i.e. strength conditioning and the outdoors. Those are the two things that have kind of remained constant since I was, you know, probably the last thing I did before that I was 10 years old as a skateboarder, you know, and at that point I still liked hunting and fishing, but after that, like those, the two things I cared about were the outdoors and, and, um, strength conditioning. And so to see those being melded together more effectively um, in the last few years, and of course, those are guys like, of course, John Dudley, but you got obviously, you know, the kind of the most well-known guy would be Cameron Haynes. Uh, he's, he's put it in the forefront uh, of what some guys were already doing, um, but he's just kind of almost made it popular in some ways. But I agree with you. You have, you have these folks who were just so deep water backcountry guys. And what what I saw from my perspective is kind of what our initiative with Sornex Outdoors was. I realized that there's so many hunters, and I just use backcountry hunters because it's the more most extreme model of it. Uh, you, you have these hunters that, and, and you understand what I'm saying, and I hope it doesn't come off right, wrong. But there's a lot of them that, that, train and they do endurance stuff and all this but they have to understand that they don't know this generally some of them do most of them don't know the deep water stuff that a strength and conditioning specialist does because it's not their profession it's not their vocation it's not you know a lot of them just work out they walk with a pack does that work heck yes it works it works great but I always look for that thin air. What's the stuff that no one knows about? What's the stuff that really make, can make that last 2% of difference, 10% of difference, whatever it may be? So I personally believe that the strength conditioning in the human performance world has a lot to offer to the, to the outdoors enthusiast, backcountry, or whatever it may be. But I also think there's an inverse relationship that the strength conditioning world, which is generally – than more of an urban or suburban world because of the sports related to it with whether it's Olympic training center or football or basketball or whatever, those folks haven't been overly exposed to the outdoors. And when you're able to put those people in the outdoors and expose them to hunting, fishing, survival, 
hacking, whatever, those people, it opens up their life, their mind and balances a little bit of their psyche and, and their, their hobbies and, and their recreation. So I believe there's a, a huge value set going each direction between the human performance world and the outdoors world. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm attempting with Sornex Outdoors to really tie the two together because I believe there's deep water people that are in the outdoors world that might never meet the deep water people from the strength and conditioning world. And I think there's a value set for both sides to learn from each other. And hopefully we could be the conduit of that. So that's kind of what we're doing with that. But I agree totally with backcountry world uh, and hunting in general, even if it's not backcountry, they're still packing, they're still climbing there. You know, people don't think about how physical some of just regular hunting is. And, um, and so there, you could always be better. You could always be more effective. You look at it as uh, bows, rifles, things like that. The technology has changed. You know, when I was growing up, 300 yards was a long shot with a rifle. Um, you know, now it's like if you can't hit what you're trying to hit at 500, you're not even like you don't really care that much because the technology is out there to do it or even to a thousand or whatever it may be. Or archery shots used to be anything over 30 yards was heresy. You're crazy if you're shooting that far. In my first uh, hunt in Arizona, I showed up a big Chino and I, and they asked me, they said, well, what do you feel comfortable with? I said, well, you know, I'd like to get it under the mule deer under, you know, spot and stock publicly and mule deer. I said, well, I'd like to get under 30, but 50 is doable. And they kind of looked at me like, oh boy, this is gonna be a long day. And I was like, what do you mean? They go, well, if you get within a hundred, we, we consider it pretty successful. I'm like, oh boy, the game has changed. So what I had to realize is if I was going to play in that world, I need to either get way better at stalking or I needed to get way more deep water and being able to send an arrow exactly where I wanted it up to potentially three digit marks. And, um, and that's where I see the world has gone in, in both sides of it. And I just want to see those two worlds meld because there's so much information that could go back and forth. I think, I think we could start seeing hunters that with their hunting skills and then given real human performance education be can become super predators. Man, you're spot on. That's that's what I'm looking to do, Bert. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, is just get the most out of it because you're right. It's it's not you know it's not our wheelhouse. And I've trained for 20 years, but it's you know I found a training that's that's worked for me. But I haven't tapped into that world to get the absolute most out of my training and be mm -hmm. you know and and I and you you tend to do. You, you tend to be drawn to the things you're good at or the things you enjoy, and then you tend to neglect the things that you don't. And if I'm being completely honest, it's total body fitness for me, but my trail running, the vertical miles, like all that stuff, you know, I put precedence on and I, I mm. get them in day in, day out. But I found, you know, that, that I just can't neglect that strength training or – you know, I'll have problems with my back or I'll have, right. you know, it's my weak point. And so therefore, like I, I've really had to work at that strength portion of it, you know, because it's not what I enjoy, you know, and I've been in the weight room for wrestling and after wrestling and I've had times, you know, where I get further into it. But, you know, the the trail running's always been a constant. But, yeah, I start to see those the, those parts that I neglect. And so I've really had to work at my strength training to make sure I'm getting it in day in, day out. And so I'm keeping my core really strong and keeping my back really strong. And strength is such a, such an important part of the puzzle. And, and, um, especially as us guys start to get older too, is keeping that strength on us. And, and I'm not a big guy. I'm like, 
five seven one sixty. So you know, I'm a smaller guy that needs a lot of strength to roll around a seven hundred pound elk or an eight hundred pound oh, elk. Oh my gosh! And, and I've always yeah. kept quite a bit of strength on my frame through construction. You know, working working day in day out, but it's not enough, and I'm not getting the most out of my training. So connecting with guys like you uh, that can help me get that extra two percent or ten percent, like you're talking. Um, man, that's a game changer for me in the backcountry that, you know, where I'm trying to accomplish my dreams and harvest some of the biggest trophies out West. Like, because just like you said, like an endurance, uh, a hunting is an endurance sport and it's, you know, a 10 day hunt, you know, the, the way I do it in the backcountry is tougher than any marathon or ultra marathon I've ever done. It's day in, day out and teaching those muscles endurance, um, it is so key. Uh, so, so how can I get that extra 2% or that extra 10% with my strike training? Like, what are you seeing these, these athletes are doing that's different, um, where they're, they're really getting, uh, uh more performance out of their, their workouts? Well, that's a great question. And, and to speak to what you were saying before is, you know, you've been more on the endurance side and the vertical training and a little bit less on the strength side, that's the complete inverse of what my history has been. So I've had a totally different experience because coming from the sports world, I was a, a Olympic caliber hammer thrower. I was just, just missed the team, but I, that was the level high national caliber, you know? So everything for me was short bursts of energy, power production, highly technical, um, high strength, all this other stuff. So now to get into something that is more endurance based is really, really difficult. It'd almost be like you getting into powerlifting right now. (laughs) So that's where I found, I mean, I'm not a small guy, so lifting an elk or this or whatever, isn't that much of a problem, but at six, three, two forty, that's a lot of mass to pull around a mountain. Uh, and a lot of a lot of muscle to feed with oxygen to feed with calories so now i have to carry more food i have to you know so then everything grows exponentially because my caloric needs uh, are higher and i choose you know i balance it i choose to i still run a weightlifting equipment company so i choose and i enjoy walking at 230 to 240 um could i train down to 190 and maybe be a better I don't know. I don't know if I'd be better a mountain hunter or not. I might be too weak to do the things I'd need to do. But so I have to balance all that as well. Um, Now, that being said, I think to answer your question with how do we get the 2%, 10%, the number one answer is evaluation. You have to understand where you currently are. To to give someone a workout and say, okay, go run uh, three miles of the pack on and then come back and It doesn't matter because I don't know where your strengths and where your weaknesses are. I would say if you're working construction, if you're working construction, i.e. not – you might be a supervisor and whatever, and and in that case, it's a different job description. And and hopefully you're at a place where you don't have to do all the work work as much as possible – as maybe you were earlier. But if you are swinging a hammer 10 hours a day and climbing up and moving things around – I would argue that your work capacity is probably at a higher level than, you know, you're closer to where your potential needs and your your requirements, your sport-specific requirements are for mountain hunting, maybe more than a a different part of the, uh, a different aspect of of your uh, training. So what I would say is the number one thing you need to do is evaluate. And for me, my evaluation is 
very much, I need more, um, more endurance work. Unfortunately, when I'm training for mountain hunting, my location that I live is not advantageous. I live at 250 feet over sea level and I'm a big guy. It's a strength athlete. I have a lot of type two white muscle fibers as they call them, which is fast twitch. So I'm really not made for it. And so I'm having to realize later in life, I'm 43 years old. So I'm having to train my body, my fibers, everything to do a different sport that I have a passion for, but I'm really not made for. Um, so for me, that my training would look completely different than yours would if you're the weight and the size that you are that has the background of trail running, marathons, everything like that. But maybe you have some low back issues or maybe some knee pain. I'm just making up some things. Because of potential lack of strength in the low back, core, upper back, glutes, hamstrings, whatever they may be, and then your pack or your bull on your back or whatever is a higher percentage of your maximal load potential or your, your maximal strength. So when you're walking out, although you have the endurance to go forever under load, and again, this is all hypothetically because I, I haven't evaluated you going back to my whole point to start, but potentially people that say, oh, I could run a marathon. Well, that's great. You could go through the mountains forever unloaded. But when you put a 30 or 40 or 50, 60 pound pack or a hundred pound pack on you, with everything changes because your 200 pound squat. Well, now you have 50% of your 200 pound squat on your back and you're going to get hurt. You're not strong enough because you're, you're, you're working it. And again, please understand the you is a hypothetical. You is, is generally people aren't strong enough to handle those loads. Whereas if you had say a 300 or maybe even a 400 pound squat, balanced with some endurance well now you're carrying a quarter to a half of your maximal load weight on your back thus your muscles have a higher potential to stabilize to protect your joints to keep them from going laterally out of place to fatigue less i mean regardless of the science is if you're at 50 percent of your max load you, you only have so many reps in you meaning steps up or down before you have to stop. So all your endurance work isn't going to help you if you're, if you're just weak. And so that's where we have to evaluate and say, okay, you could run a marathon, but you could only deadlift 225 pounds. Uh, I would say, let's get that up to 315. You're going to have a bigger engine. You're going to have a more robust chassis. And then we, you're still going to have that motor in there that you could go a long way, but you're going to mix it with the strength that's going to keep you from getting injured, i.e. moving that bowl around or hauling his big old butt out of there. Man, that makes complete sense. You you put it in terms I can understand. Like we're we're <laughs> we're all individuals, and so we all need different training that's specific to us. And I love what you said about evaluation and honest evaluation. You know, you 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 looked at yourself and gave yourself an honest evaluation. You know, and I think that's so important to move forward or to improve in life is to look at those things and see where you can where you can get better and where you can improve right. and. And what you stated for me was fairly spot on. I don't have much joint pain, but yeah, my weak area is my back that is given out that I've heard over the years. So I've really got to strength train my back and my core mm -hmm. to hold up throughout the year. And, and, and exactly what you said, my endurance is great, but I need to get that, that squat max up so I'm not half my max you know, when I'm packing out an elk or a deer and I've got to do 20 miles out of the backcountry or whatever it is, that makes complete sense to me. Bert. Yeah. Um, and and it, it could lead to injury that could be, you know, 
life threatening, right? I mean, that's where I see the people that are that are strong and they're going down those hills, you know, coming out of the mountains or up the mountain, whatever it is, with a big pack on their back. They get a little tweaky on a footing. They have that strength to pull themselves back into place to keep from breaking something, spraining something, and everything like that, and ending. We all know mountain hunts. If you know, hard, first of all, it's hard to get a tag. Second of all, if you're with a guide, I mean, it could be a very expensive endeavor, even if it's just public land hunting because you're taking off time at work. And so I value every day in the mountains is a very high expense. So I know I have to be prepared as possible to give myself the highest chance of success, but also where I don't have, I don't come home with something that's going to give me problems for the next four months because I got injured. And that's where you, you have to really, be looking at that, but, but everything is, it's, it's all relative to the person and, and the, uh, and we call it probably about 10 years ago, I kind of came up with a term. I'm sure I didn't come up with it, but I adopted at least out of my mind was the term hunt weakness. And the idea was in everything you're trying to do training wise and going back to training, training always has a desired it has a result. It just depends on how well you plan it if it has the desired result. So let's say if you're you're cooking food. Well, I can make that steak sweet. I can make it salty. I can make it bitter. I can make it taste like a different thing. If, if I understand what the desired result needs to be, I could put in those specific spices. Same with training. Training to train doesn't just make you better at everything. When I trained to deadlift 600 pounds – I trained to deadlift 600 pounds. I didn't walk. I didn't run more than I had to. I didn't do anything. I put all that energy into moving that weight. Now, that is no longer my goal. So I realized, like this week, two days ago, my training looked like Versa Climber. Uh, I would call them a sprint. It's not a stride and it's not a sprint. It's just a bout of a, uh, of a minute, minute and a half mixed with some planks, some dynamic planks, things like that, because I realized – in my mule deer hunt that I got in the month coming up, I'm going to be climbing and I'm going to be in a low crawl position, holding positions very slowly and creeping. And so I'm not worried. I have a 500 pound deadlift in me because I have had that for 20 something years. I'm not worried about my deadlift right now. I'm worried about my body holding together over long periods of time and me being able to make a three or four hour stalk on my belly if I need to and getting comfortable with being in that low plank position, breathing through it and getting stoic in those positions because I'm going to have to be, that's probably where the money is going to be made for me in a month. So again, training for me has a different set of requirements and thus a, a different piece of that recipe goes into it. Oh, you know it well. Um, where's your mule deer hunt? Uh, I'm going to uh, northern Arizona with uh, Big Chino Outfitters, um, and uh, it's going to be up there. I, I hunted with them about two years ago, got really close to a buck, got 38 yards. You know, I was waiting for him to stand up for 40 minutes, and then, uh, you know, you feel the wind on the back of the neck, and you know the rest of that story. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. What a great opportunity. Uh, and to spot and stalk mule deer, mule deer are just some of the funnest. And coming from where you're at, you know, the um, out east and then coming out to hunt mule deer, it's totally different than hunting a whitetail totally to take the stock to them, the spot and stock. And you described it perfectly. It, it's holding, 
you know, those yoga poses as you're trying to creep in. And anybody that, that ha- you know, when you try to low crawl in for hundreds of yards or you try to move slow like the hands of the clock, and that's why I love mule deer is the stocks are so methodical and planned mm-hmm. and everything's so slow and controlled and, and um it, it, but those there's I've never been so exhausted as an all day oh. stock on a mule deer in the sun like that. And so uh, oh. how cool yeah, for it's you. Be you rough. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm well, excited, but yeah, you, you've got your mind wrapped around it because you've done it before. And then I just love your specific training, like even this morning getting ready for it. And you're right. Like we we have to train for for what's coming and for our personal preferences and and me i've got a early season mule deer hunt here in nevada and so i've been doing a ton of heat training because i know that's a hot weather hunt and heat strokes a real killer so you know every day in that steamer and then running during the hottest part of the day really get my body working and working up that sweat and i i loved what you talked about too of injury I believe wholeheartedly in everything you said about um, like like uh, avoiding injury in, in the backcountry because you know guys will get injuries in different parts of their body by just tripping over something you know uh, uh, around the house or or doing something of that nature. Yep. But that backcountry it takes so much. But I believe like that trail running it has my ankles so strong, my knees so so strong. And those supportive leg muscles that support my joints where I don't deal with any joint pain or anything, but I just catch myself. Um, you know, yes. if I slip or if I roll an ankle, my body just catches myself and I don't sprain it. And that, you know, being yes. able to avoid injury like that is, is so key. And so my weak point has been just like you said, like like my back that, I, that I've injured. And I, I hadn't injured it in about five years due to my weight training and due to stretching and flexibility mm-hmm. and things. I've really worked on my core, uh, but I, I slipped it this winter. And I, I can't remember yeah. if it was like fishing on slick river rocks and I didn't have felt and I slipped. Yep. Or it could have been deadlifting my boat with a bunch of water in the front of it in the morning. <laughs> I just – I didn't feel it, but it was sore that night. And like my quality of life change and all of a sudden those injuries, man, they're tough on us, man. They're tough on us mentally. They're tough on us physically. And and it changed the way I hunt. I was just coming into spring bear season, which I love to chase with my bow. And I couldn't hunt how I wanted to hunt. I couldn't cross this big canyon. My back wouldn't hold up. And all of a sudden this running Mm. that not only for my training, but also for my my personal sanity and uh you know i use it as a meditation and it calms my mind and all of a sudden i'm not able to do what i truly love to do you know because my back my lower back would just um it, it hurt so much during those runs that i i knew i had to get it better but man those those injuries at rut are rough and they make you never want to be there again and so when yeah. you can't once you're hurt that's not the time to stretch it or work it out or get it nope. stronger the time to get it stronger is during your training. It's right now, yes. and it's when your back is feeling a hundred percent. And then it's it it's a it's not a fine line between injury and getting it stronger, but it almost seems like in the beginning it is. You're really pushing your back to get it stronger, but you can't push it too far. Like, how do you find that line between injury and strength training, especially in some of these bigger lifts and things? Is it something that you just get your body used to, like I talk about trail running? Or is it something that you um, uh, you, you really got to look after your form or not pushing too hard? Yeah, that's a great question. And 
it's kind of a double-edged sword because most of my life has, has ridden off of the fuel of passion. And passion will generally make you do things that most people won't do. It'll make you go further. It'll make you push harder. It'll make you do all the stuff that we see, especially in that masculine warrior type mentalities, you know, that we, we see as advantageous, you know. Unfortunately, it's also a fuel that has to be watched carefully. You know, the passionate turkey is the one that gets shot. The passionate <laughs> bull is the one that gets shot, right? <laughs> yeah. And so and so I I I personally have a problem with that because I run off of emotion a lot. I run off of, you know, that helped me in my old days of lifting was if I just got super pissed off, I would go lift it just because you said I couldn't. Well, that's great when you're 20. When you're 43, that's probably not the smartest thing. So I'm having to realize that something that used to be a strength for me has now become a potential detriment. So, you know, I have to plan my – I have to, as they say in the, the diving community, you, have, you plan your dive and dive your plan. Um, you know, so I have to look at it and say, okay, I know these are, these are, these are uh, acceptable gains – even though I feel better than that, don't overreach. Don't try to get back to where you were because you feel like you could today. And so really the times my training has been most spot on is when I didn't push. I mean, I'll be honest, my old my old rules for now, this is when I was strength training, was it's very simple. Never train two days in a row and when in doubt, rest. That was the only time in my training career that I didn't get hurt often and I was strong as a bull because I realized that I, tr I stayed within my means and I didn't push the super high limit. Pushing the limit is for competition, not for training, in my opinion. When, when you want, you know, if I got to get that bull or that bear or whatever it is across that canyon, that's the time that I'll, I'll test it because now, now we're keeping score. Whereas training is just that it's training. Um, and so that's where you have to really be cognizant of the effort that you put in. It has to be quality effort, but you can't get wrapped around the axle of emotion or, or, or really you got to kind of temper the passion. The passion has to make you show up, but you, you got to watch that ego. The ego is what kills you. Uh, unfortunately I was in an ego driven sport uh, that you wanted to beat the guy next to you. And, and is partly why I don't like training with anybody anymore too much because I don't want there to be a competitiveness because I know that I'm a turkey that could get called out into the field. <laughs> you know, I, I know that's about me. So I just go, I'm going to go on a run or I'm going to go on a lift. And if it's X number of weight, that is what I'm supposed to do today. And although I know I've done 200 pounds more, and if I rev the engine, I could probably touch the curtain as I used to say, like I'll go up and get close to the, to the old days. Uh, I don't need to do that. But if there's another guy that's in the same weight room with me and he's kind of getting froggy too and he wants to jump, unfortunately, I'm usually a guy that will jump. <laughs> and I just have to know that about me. And <laughs> and so it's kind of a weird way to answer that, but goes back to knowing your limitations and training the reps is more important than um, than, than really revving the engine too much in that space. Don't get hurt training at home. If you're going to get hurt – Make it worth it. But the training at home, if you do it properly, is going to keep you from getting hurt. That's that's where it all kind of boils down to.
Yeah, it's so true. It builds that base to where then when you are all in or it is time to go all in, you've got all that training behind you to ready yourself for it. But uh, I just love that, like that honest evaluation again, like uh, you're 43. I just turned 40. <laughs> we get to know ourselves a little bit yes. better as we get older. We get to we get into our own psyche a little bit more. And I'm the same way as I've got that competitive edge and I, I can't. It, it it does get to be a downfall because I can't shut it off or, or turn it right. off. I've worked my whole life to get that. And so, yeah, I find myself the same way as I don't do a lot of CrossFit. But anytime I get in any CrossFit scenario, it's playing on that competitive edge of me. And I can't help myself. My intensity level goes up. My form yes. goes down. All of a sudden, I've got to win, even if I don't want to win. Like, I can't help myself. And so you're exactly that is the reason I cannot do CrossFit. There's some other reasons, but I've done it a few times. And every time it turns into the same thing, I go, OK, I, this isn't made for my psyche. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, even running these races, I have to run my own race, like to take out with the, the leaders of the pack pretty soon. You know, I'm running a, a, a minute mile that I can't run or keep up with. But it's that ego. It's that competitive sure. edge, you know, and it's, save, it's yeah. But you save that for the hunt, for the real game, yes, right? Yes. If, if, it, if it means like I can't get to that bull or that bear, well, I'll prove it to myself because now it's keeping score. Now's the time to burn off the nitrous and, and go there. The time ain't to do it when you're training. Training's for training. Yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah, that that'll serve. It served me really well, like during season when it is time to go, when it, when you are all in exactly like you say. Mm -hmm. But that that training it has to be thought out. And I've had to get rid of that young man mentality oh, yeah. as well, you know, where during construction, I just do everything myself. I just if nobody's yep. around, I just lift this wall or I'm in the yard and I've yeah. got to load a bunch of metal. I just Move load it up. It. You know, I just get it done. And through that, I've injured myself a handful of times where I've really had to like it's been a, a change in my mentality of asking for help or like going, OK, I'll wait. I'll get the guys out here. We'll lift this together. I don't need to lift this right now. You know, I, I, I don't need to be so crazy insane like that, lifting heavy things. And it's just for me, it's been getting getting smarter and it served me well. But I can tell you, man, it uh, there's nothing worse than when you have one of those injuries and you have to bring yourself back. And uh, boy, when you get back to 100 percent like I am now, um, man, it's just you don't want to let your foot off the gas now. It's just you just want to get better and improve and get stronger. So you're never there again, because this this quality of life that we love and this passionate life we love. Man, it can all be taken away with one injury. Oh, yeah. And, and realize and what I realized from the sporting world was if I'm overtrained or injured, I have no chance. If I'm undertrained, I still have a chance. And I hate to say it's weird coming from someone who lives in the training world. But again, I would I personally just again, some people maybe built differently, you know, their mind or whatever. I'll personally hold back a little bit in training because I know that I have a tendency not to. <laughs> and I, I generally can get it done. I can throw on the afterburners when I have to because I'm competitive. But I know I, it's just like in football. You don't want to get hurt in training camp. You, you know, the, the, best, the best football players are the ones that are still playing at the end of the season. That's how that works. You know, 
the, you, you see it every year. Oh, so-and-so is out with injury. He's their best running back. There was this and that and the other. And you go, wow, millions and millions of dollars are changing hands because that guy is not able to play. What could have been done better so he could have made it to the game? The key to all sports is making it to the freaking game. After that, anything could happen. But I'll tell you what's not going to happen. You ain't going to win if you ain't in the game. And that's where the injury prevention comes in. That side of the training is smart training, smart load progressions, smart technique. But then it's also having a piece and probably transition to this is the recovery piece. Now, that's going to be physical uh, body work, whether it be massage, ART, chiropractic. Um, you know, you could have uh, temperature, cold plunges, hot, hot work. Um, you have recovery workouts. Uh, you, then you have your whole nutrition and supplementation side of it. Obviously, hydration. You have your rest, relaxation, sleep, making sure that your body gets back into a parasympathetic uh, state so you can have digestion and your body works. Like Those are things that I think the outdoors world is just now really tapping into in a little bit. And, and while well, I saw it in the special operations community in the military, probably in the last eight to 10 years, they've been more on that game, which is great to see. Uh, and that's where they kind of followed function, uh, followed form of the track and field world and the, the uh, sporting world, because you had guys getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, to do this sport at a high level. They're going to protect their investment. So they're going to have every opportunity to to basically be these racehorses. And that's kind of what I wanted to help bring into the, to the outdoors world was that technology, that practice, the, that hardware, um, where someone going after, you know, a, a mule deer or elk or whatever it may be, has all the information out there so that they could choose how to train best for their specific sport. And their sport happens to be hunting. Man. Yeah. That, um, you're, you're right that recovery there's so many different facets that go into good health like it's not just the working out that's such a it's a small portion of it and that's kind of the discipline portion where you have to make yourself do it but it sounds like you have no problem making yourself do it and I'm the same way I can't letting my foot off the gas is tough and I I think I spoke to you right at the right time, Bert, with you telling me that you have to make it to the frickin' game. You know, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. I've got a week if you're, left. If you're hurt. Yeah. yeah. A, oh, I've got you a week can screw left. You it up in the next seven days. Yes. You're probably not going to be that much more fit in seven days. That's so exactly right. Choose how you want to play. <laughs> I'm struggling with it right now. I went on my last really big run on Friday. And now I'm just barely turning my wheels, just barely getting my legs moving. Good workout this morning, you know, but just trying not to go too hard. I'm trying to yeah. take my foot off the gas so I can make it to the to the freaking game, which, you know, starts for me on Monday, you know. So, yeah, um, that, that, as we say, the hay is in the barn now. There's nothing you're going to do. You can't do anything training-wise in the next seven days that's going to get you significantly more prepared. You could do many things that are going to significantly decrease your chances of success. So – Cool. You've done the work. The hay's in the barn. What I would suggest, make sure your gear is tight. Make sure your recovery is on point because you want to go into the season as strong as you possibly can. So that means your, your nutrition, everything, that your rest, everything needs to be super tight. You need to recover from your bouts of exercise as much as you can in the next seven days while keeping a low level of strength, conditioning, and endurance. You still want to keep that going, but it's really a maintenance phase right now. You want to be super recovered, have all your gear tight, be super, you know, dialed with your bow, 
technique work. That's what I would be doing because that's how I trained getting ready for an Olympic trial. I wasn't trying to prove myself in the weight room seven days out of the Olympic trials. We are so far past that at that point. It's competition time. Let's go. Let's go do what we've been training for. Oh, it speaks volumes to me. It makes complete sense. That's what I absolutely what I'm trying to do. But uh, you know, talking to you definitely solidifies it in my mind that I'm making the right moves. Um, that that recovery is so important. You talk about the recovery, uh, the the heat training. I need to do more of the cold training. I don't have a place to do the cold plunge. Well, I, I guess I've got a bathtub downstairs. Got I was a thinking and ice bags. Yeah, I think that's what I need to do. I haven't done much of the cold training and again, we tend to gravitate towards things we like, you know, and the heat is definitely easier for me than the cold. Uh, but I also live in Montana where I can step outside any time for about 8 months and get that cold plunge outside, sure. but I need to do more of that. Um, you talk about rest, uh, that rest, as I get older, I've just noticed the importance of it, you know, that, mm -hmm. that rest really has a huge, uh, plays a huge role in recovery as well, doesn't it? Oh, it's enormous. I mean, it's, it's absolutely vital. You you could train yourself right into injury with micro injuries every day. That'll end up being something catastrophic with just a, a, a lessened rest. I mean, there's studies that have gone out. I mean, even with college, I think it was football or basketball players, and it was a sleep study that showed um, correlation between injuries per person and amount of sleep they got. And it was, I'll get the numbers wrong, but it was it was very significant. Meaning, like people with six hours of sleep or less had 80% more injuries than those with eight hours of sleep. Wow. So you look at it and you go, okay, that is enormous. So I could significantly increase my ability or potential <clears throat> to get to that game if I sleep two more hours a day. That's pretty easy. Now, time-wise, that might be difficult to get it in, but now it just takes discipline of saying, no, I'm getting in bed right now because it's that important to me. It's that important to maybe not blow my elk tag this year because of an overuse injury or whatever it may be. Or just realize that you're, you can't be your best at a certain amount of strength. You just can't. It's like filling your gas tank up to three-quarters of a tank. And you're like, oh, I'm good to go. It's like, yeah, but you had, you had more capacity. You just chose not to fill it. So that's where the sleep, I would say, over the next week, sleep is going to be super vital. I would make sure you have, you know, your salt levels, good. Your Himalayan sea salts in you. I would uh, make sure, I mean, you're going to get a lot of vitamin D, but even like kind of switching gears like to the whole coronavirus thing. Um, I wish people would be more talking about so social distancing and masks, not to make this a political thing. Why are people talking about the health aspects of it? Taking 5,000 milligrams, 5,000 grams is 5,000, 5, whatever the heck it is. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I've been doing this for taking these for three years, uh, 5,000 of vitamin D every day, vitamin C, lysine, all antivirals, um, taking that and actually magnesium is great to take every day, but also there's new studies that have come out and not like I internet, you know, Instagram studies, but like actual medical journals that melatonin has a heavy response from a prophylactic response, uh, against coronavirus. So, I don't coronavirus, whatever, but I'm talking viruses in general and immune system health. Let's get our immune system super high. So I believe if you're not taking the appropriate supplements, 
uh, and getting good rest, you're just pure being negligent to what what you're trying to accomplish. It's it's just that simple. Do you need to eat great? Yes. But if you're not taking the appropriate supplements, and I would take even one step further and say if you're not getting blood work done once to twice a year, sometimes three times a year for me, and seeing what my body actually needs at the chemical level, I believe you don't really want it that bad. I, I just I just don't think you do because you're 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 passing up things that are known to work and to give a better system and either you don't know about it, which is okay, it's always boils down to ignorance or apathy. Either you don't know about it or you don't care. And I would say the the basis of your of your chemical health is absolutely vital. And that goes back to that evaluation phase. Sorry for going on a weird tangent, but those are some of the things I would say that, you know, really making sure you have dialed in um, your amino acids, uh, you know, your, your vitamins, stuff like that. But those big ones are the vitamin D, vitamin C, lysine. You could create a much stronger immune system that will help everything. Um, and, and I just I prefer to steal my body as much as I possibly can. So whatever comes ahead, if it's a, a heavy hill or if it's interfacing with a virus, I'd rather give myself the best chance because, again, I don't want to burn a tag because I'm sick in bed. Oh, 100%. Um, I claim ignorance, by the way. I need to get cool. blood work done. I, um, Man, oh, man, I've never had blood work done. You know, I just – I train so hard, and I'm into my nutrition and into my health and my sleep and everything, and I keep my immune system really strong, you know, through those heat shock proteins that you talk about with sauna and steam. And then, you know, sure. just that running and endurance has just given me a really good immune system, but I haven't – and you're Dope. outside, so your vitamin D is probably very high because of the sun, which yeah. is great. Yeah, well, and, and it's a real concern for me right now as we're coming into this big hunt that I talk about. And, you know, my youngest daughter came home from camp with a sore throat and came home. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure it's a common cold and it's not corona. She had her sports physical yesterday and they weren't, you know, she hasn't ran a temperature or anything. But it definitely right. comes into play before I leave on this hunt. And to tell you the truth, in the last five years, there's been probably 15 or 20 sicknesses that have ran through my house, including influenza, whether it's my wife or the girls that get it, and I, and I haven't been sick in five years. So, awesome. like, my immune system is off the charts, but you're spot on with this corona. Like, uh, it's yeah. it's about not living a sedentary lifestyle. It's about eating real food. It's about yeah. getting real sleep. It's taking care of your body so your body can take care of you. Now, the next yes. step for me is I need to go in and get that blood work done like you're talking about. I don't uh, – I don't run or deal with doctors at all in my life. Like I don't think I've ever even been to a hospital. So like what do I need to – What when I get my blood work done, Bert, what am I looking for or what do I need to ask these doctors to look for so I can get sure. the, the most out of paying my hard-earned dollars to get this blood work done? Like what am I going to see from that and be able to improve um, from that? Right. Well, that's a great question, and I'll try to answer it as best I can. Again, I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, nor do I pretend to. I know. I know just enough to to maybe start good conversations. And so, with my doctor, I use Dr. Eric Serrano. He's in um, Columbus, Ohio. He's an absolute beast. Um, very difficult to get in with. He's a friend. Uh, so, but there's doctors, and what I mean by a regular doctor. G, you know, general physician, family doctor, they're great, 
but what I found, and I'm sorry if doctors are listening, I found most of them are not progressive enough to, to drill in further to a high performance lifestyle. And you'll understand what I say. Like, it's kind of like all bow shops aren't the ones you'd want to take your bow to, right? You know, just because they sell bows doesn't mean they're the bow shop you want to go to. Um, so with my doctor, I, I, when I talked to Serrano, I said, listen, I'm 40. At that time, I was 40. I said, I want to drill into my blood as far as you possibly can. Not only make sure, you know, well visit, do I have any kind of disease, X, Y, and Z, all the, all the normal, your cholesterol, your triglycerides. And I see those as just some good basics. Like if my triglycerides, my cholesterol, my blood pressure, all that stuff is good. That means like kind of basically I'm doing a good job. If my triglycerides are high, I know that has a, a heavy effect on what my thyroid level is right now. And then if I'm eating too many carbs and my doc will call me on it and second, he goes, why are you eating all this bull crap? I said, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are. I can see your blood work. <laughs> I said, what do you see? He goes, and, and then I go, well, actually, you know, at the time it was like February, I said, it's birthday month. There's a bunch of my family has birthdays and this and that and the other. We were eating birthday cake. It's okay, cool. He goes, now you're not lying. I see it. And then for me, it was like, whoa, you saw seven or eight bad meals in a month. It was, it was in my blood work. And that keeps, holds me more accountable. It goes, okay, my choices make a difference in the chemistry of my body. And He's like, you could choose what you want to do. Just be a clear evaluation to realize it has an effect. So, you know, that goes through. We do, we do that. Uh, we do my testosterone, my, my estrogen levels, my cortisol levels. Uh, so we go through a lot of other things. And he found biomarkers on other things that he goes, wow, you actually have a, a thing that's in your blood that causes this to happen. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he goes through all this stuff and it's like, whoa, I would have never thought that that was an actual thing. And, but having someone who's very proficient to drill into it and then to make sure that, you know, I, t I said, listen, I've been a, a high level athlete. I like being a racehorse. Treat me like a racehorse. Don't treat me like a guy who is now 40. I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to have a couple beers every night. I'm going to watch sitcoms. Like that ain't me. I'm a guy who's been to the top. I want to stay at the top and within all safety reason and monetary, like let's keep my ability to be a high performer at the top. He's like, well, first thing you need is thyroid. He goes, your thyroid is, is Jack, blah, 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 blah. Let's put you on a small amount of thyroid. You'll probably feel a lot better. It's like, that's not a typical thing, but all of a sudden I felt much better. I actually, Actually got a little bit leaner. My mood changed, things like that. And he was like, yeah, you had a hormonal deficiency. And so we did a, a small amount of, of uh, testosterone replacement therapy. My testosterone was on the lower end of normal. And then I'd gone to another doctor, normal kind of doctor. And he goes, yeah, your, your testosterone is normal. I said, well, what do you mean by normal? Now, I'll give you just some numbers. My numbers were uh, on the upper end. It was 1,050 when I was 30 years old. I was training hard. I wasn't taking any type of performance-enhancing drugs. I was clean. I was training hard. 1,050. Most people who know those numbers go, okay, that's that's high. And I said, well, is that high dangerous or just high? He goes, no, you're on the upper level of – he goes, man, you must feel amazing. I said, yeah, I feel great. Because of the training and the eating and everything I was doing was lending itself to that. Five years later, I was in the low 300s, and I said, I just don't feel like I used to. And he goes, well, yeah, you're a third of the testosterone that you used to be. He goes, and 
but the first doctor said, well, that's average for someone your age. And at first I said, well, okay, I guess that's fine. I said, hold on a minute. Nothing I do in life do I want to be average. I, my lifting, my running, my training, my business, my shooting, all the my hobbies, nothing that I do do I consider average. It's not that I consider myself an elitist or whatever. It's just I'm not interested in average. So I said, hold on. Why are all these markers average and that's okay with you? I don't want okay. I want great. What do we need to do to accomplish greatness? And that goes back to that legendary, be legendary mindset. So when I went to Dr. Serrano, I said, this is what my body has done. Let's do what we can to put me back here because I have a lot of living to do and it's going to be some high speed, high tension living. Let's put my body in a position where I could do these things. One of the parts of the puzzle was a hum was a testosterone replacement therapy, low levels. My body really liked it, got it right back up to a thousand. My energy went up, my strength went up, my recovery went up, my sleep got better, my libido went up, my my mood got better, like all these things happened. I go, great. That was something I chose to do to make sure that my body was optimized because sitting on the couch and going out to pasture isn't a part of my plan. So just gives an idea, but without the blood work, I wouldn't have noticed that I was working on two of eight cylinders. And that's where I tell people like, go get the blood work. And then from there, you have a very clear evaluation of what your body is doing or not doing. And then you have some chemical markers that could tie back to what you're experiencing. And then you could decide, do you want to make a change dietarily, supplementation wise, exercise wise, all of those things. That's where it's, so, it's such a, a big piece of the puzzle. Gosh, what a game changer. It's like gives you this blueprint or it, it really yep. it, it shows you what you need to improve and where you need to go. And I, I feel like I keep a, a pretty good tabs on my body and how I feel, but you, that's day to day. And so if you sure. have a, a lag in that, right? you know, you, you don't notice like you say that you're running on two of eight cylinders or you don't notice that you could get more out of your body, out of your performance, out of your meat vessels. So. Man, I, I just love that. I want to be a racehorse as well and figure out everything <laughs> I can do to continue to push as hard as I can, you know? So so it sounds yes. like I need to find – 50 and 60 and 70 ain't the time to try to unravel it, right? You know, I mean, yes. 50, you still get something out. But, like, man, you don't, don't wait until you're broken. It's like, hold on a second. Let's rewrite this ship right now. That That's the key to the whole thing. And – that's where it's like a multifaceted approach. There's the training, there's the diet, there's the, there's all of these things. But if you, I believe if you truly want to be a great backcountry hunter or a truly great anything, you have to look holistically at all of it and train each specific aspect if you want to reach your full potential. And if not, be okay with being average. Man. Um, so it sounds like I need to find like the right sports <laughs> doctor that, that I mesh with that understands where I want to go or yes. what I want to achieve and then do my blood work and have conversations with that guy because that's the problem I have with the, the, the medical industry is a lot of the doctors, you know, they, they do it. They fix you when you're broke. They're looking for something yes. wrong. They're not trying to get the most out of your performance. And two, 
again, it's it's easy for me to listen to somebody that's better than me at something. It's easy to me for me to listen to a doctor that's in really good shape or really good health and trying to take his health to the next level. It's tough for me to listen to somebody that isn't. It's like, okay, you're yes. going to tell me how to live my life when you're not living yours correctly. You know, it's like yeah, when a, you're smoking in a parking lot. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that this doesn't make sense to me. But I, I, I really like what you said, and I, I think that's how I can gain my 2% in the mountains or my 10% oh. in the mountains or who knows is just who knows? by some of these discussions that we've had on this podcast, Bert. So, man, I just connected with you at the right time. Man, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I did too, Brian. Thank you so much. And sorry if I went into some, some deep water stuff, but you know, I guess going back to like the doctor or the training thing, it made me think of it when you were saying that, so many people go to the doctor when they're sick. They go they go to the it's like they go to a, a mechanic for their vehicle when it's broken. Why not go if you're really really going for it and you're really believe in this lifestyle and this performance lifestyle and you're trying to perform at the high level and, and reach the thin air. Don't take your, your car to a mechanic to get it fixed. Take it to uh, you know a, a, a pit crew to get it optimized. Be proactive with everything and go, hey, there might be some stuff wrong with it, but I don't feel it. But let's make this thing run hot, run clean, and run for a long time. And, and be proactive with your health and your training. You know, I hate when I, I hear people like, oh, I got a trainer. I need to lose some weight. I'm like, well, that's like a reactive deal. Like you're just trying to kind of get back to okay. You know, going from suck to okay Although that's a good idea, like I'm ready for go okay to good and good to great. Like those are the places I want to work within, and probably people listening to this podcast would as well. If they're into mountain hunting, you've already clicked the box of you want to go from good to great. That's already that's already a thing. So act like it in the other parts of your life. Man, spot on. That's how I'm going to get that two percent. I can see it now, Bert. <laughs> Yeah, well, well I just love you, Brian, that. Man. I, I keep me posted how it's working, man. I love to, and if I could connect you with anybody or, or help out in any way, um, you know, limited amount of, of knowledge there, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Oh, thanks so much. No, um, you're just great to talk to. Like, uh, uh, you, you articulate these ideas so well for us, uh, common guys to understand how we can get more <laughs> performance out of our bodies and, and be better men, you know? So, man, it's just Thank awesome. You. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time, Bert. And I just wish you, uh, a really good hunting this year on all your endeavors. I know you have that muley hunt. What else do you have coming up this season? Um, yeah, thanks. And first of all, I appreciate it, Brian. Um, so, yeah, I got the muley hunt coming up. Um, I do a lot of whitetail hunting east and in the Midwest. Um, hopefully, I could get on something else. I was supposed to go bear hunting again this past spring, but the Canadian border was closed. So this year, based on some of that stuff, uh, I'm probably not going to have as many good mountain hunts as I'd prefer, um, unless just something kind of falls out of midair. I didn't get pulled for the tags that I wanted this year. So a lot of it's going to be hopefully some giant whitetails, some uh, some wild hogs, and uh, just whatever I could sneak up on in the meantime. Well, that, that muley hunt's going to be unreal to have a chance at that those next-level bucks and have like oh. a, the time to go do that hunt, to give yourself the time to, to get those plays and make those stocks, you know, and then... Um, I'm so excited. Uh, oh, man, I can't imagine. <laughs> what a great opportunity. So I'm going to check back in with you and see how you do on those hunts, but thanks again, Bert. Thank I you. really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate y'all having me on and you guys are doing some amazing things. Great. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bert. Bye-bye. All right. Wasn't that an awesome podcast with Bert? Uh, I really enjoyed that. Gosh, he just hangs out with all these elite guys and um, through his podcast, Be Legendary, uh, he just uh, explains himself so well and um, prides himself in in being the absolute best he can be. So I got a ton of inspiration and motivation from that podcast. Thanks a bunch to to Bert Soren. Make sure to check out his company, Soren X, and the racks they build. It's just great information on that strength training and just really trying to dial in my training to be the best backcountry hunter I can be. And I do believe that that I can use some more strength training with all my endurance work. So uh, just great to talk to a guy like that that's so knowledgeable. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening in. Thanks to our sponsors, High Mountain Seasonings and uh, uh, Swagger Bipods. Uh, building some of the best bipod shooting sticks on the market, high mountain seasonings with those great jerky seasonings, everything for your wild game needs, sausage, uh, uh, pepperoni sticks, steak marinades. Uh, they have a bunch of different products in there that are that, that taste great and um, really help me get through hunting season. So thanks to those guys. Thanks to Eastman's for all their support and belief in me and this podcast. I uh, filmed this last high country hunt with my buddy Dan down there. Um, just an incredible hunt down there, man. I just, I, I enjoy, I enjoy pushing my limits, figuring out what I'm made of, and um, it all, it always seems so tough and takes so much work. But to come out on top and arrow a quality buck like that, man, it just, it just means the world to me. Such a thrilling bow hunt. Man, I, w- I was just dialed. Everything I told you guys about that early season hunt. And, uh, you know, it just came to fruition. Hard work paid off. My stocks were just absolutely dialed. I got two stocks. First one I executed perfectly. So slow. Snuck into the spot. And uh, the buck just happened to leave in that, you know, that 45 minutes or half an hour it took me to get into position he must have changed beds even though it was hot middle of the day I know I didn't spook him or anything just crept in there and waited for him to stand up out of these group of trees and after a couple hours he never stood up Uh, but I knew the stock was perfect and I just needed another chance and finally got that chance found a really nice heavy older three by four just this beautiful dark chocolate velvet wide tall and uh executed a perfect stock on him, put myself into range and um, let him stand up unaware of my presence and um, able to get my bow drawn back and settle my pin. Just all that little stuff that I talk about, man, that's what dreams are made of. Um, so yeah, I couldn't be happier. I'm just, I'm, I'm riding a high right now. Uh, I just, I love backcountry bow hunting with, with every fiber of my being. And that, that high country mule deer really seems to to, to quench my my thirst for adventure I just love uh, pushing myself like that it's just incredible guys um, so yeah I'm absolutely riding a high thanks to you guys for all the support the podcast and um, everything I do I can't wait to put this film together and share it with you guys um, so I just uh, I'm humbled and I really appreciate all the support support with the podcast make sure to check out my other podcast uh, fly fishing specific called Flycast. Eastman's Flycast. You can find that anywhere you you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, 
with that, that's a wrap, guys. Um, get this podcast out to you, and then I'm taking off again. Uh, Buddy Dan has a really good elk tag, and so uh, I'm going to go and be a helper and um, be a good friend and try to help him kill his best bull to date. So uh, I'm super excited for it. Got to get my laundry done, food packed back up, get some work done, and um, man, I'll be back in the mountains where I belong. So uh, I love it. It's such a fun time of year. So uh, keep working hard towards your goals, you guys. Hard work pays off. And um, I know you guys got some good hunts coming up this fall. Uh, uh, give it your absolute all on these hunts and and, and enjoy the entire experience and journey. Enjoy the process. It's a huge part of success. And uh, I definitely enjoyed the entire process this time around. Man, so fun. So, all right, guys, that's a wrap. I'll check in with you guys next week.